Hello, everyone, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. We are a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Praska, and with me, as always, is... Okay, I guess I'm alone today. Uh, and not with me, as always, is Khalid Hussein. He, um, and I won't get, take too many shots at him right now, he is just not here for this intro. He is in for most of this podcast. Uh, this is uh, what you might say is a kind of a bonus episode to our Xenomania series. We, um, we've wrapped up the six films in the main franchise. Maybe we'll come back to it when the future uh, Fede Alvarez movie comes out or the series, the Noah Hawley series. But uh, as it stands right now, um, we're done with the movies. So we are doing a special episode kind of digging into the extended universe of the Alien franchise, the books, blah, 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 comics, all those other things. Um, and in doing this, we got to interview uh, Shiromi Arcerio, who is an audiobook narrator, avid Alien fan as well. Um, an award-winning audiobook narrator, I might add, who um, narrates several of the audiobooks in the Alien franchise novels recently. She's done um, Into Charybdis. She did Colony War. She did um, the most recent book, Enemy of My Enemy. Um, so it's, it was really exciting to chat with her. But before we dig into that and get to the interview, I thought it might be interesting just to kind of give a brief outline of what kind of the extended universe looks like for the Alien franchise and kind of where it's coming from. So... Um, outside of the films, we have board games, we have a, t a tabletop role-playing game, we have video games, comic books, audio dramas, and of course, the novels. Um, previously, the Aliens EU was in the hands of the publisher Bantam Books and Dark Horse Comics. Some of these stories have since been contradicted by the newer canon, but there's certainly value to a lot of them. There's some interesting stuff about what they thought the space jockeys were before Prometheus came along. Um, but, you know, that's since not canon anymore in a sense, but they're still fascinating. Um, there was a whole series of comics following Hicks and Nude after the Aliens film uh, ultimately had to be rewrapped into something different after Alien 3 came out, of course. There, the characters were changed to Wilkes and Billy and uh, was republished that way. So uh, this specific book begins with the, sorry, Earth Hive. Um, there's a comic and there's also a novelization by Steve Perry, uh, somebody who did quite a few of those books back in those days. Um, a comic series a bit more recent that's been instrumental in shaping the current state of the EU is Aliens Defiance, which is written by Brian Wood. Defiance introduces the character of Zula Hendricks, who you may have heard us talk about in uh, our episode, our first Xenomania episode with Philippa Ballantyne, who in her in her novel. Um, Zula Hendricks is a current uh, colonial marine who ended up facing off with the xenomorphs she's since become kind of a mainstay in the comics and novels and serves as kind of a connective tissue between many of those works um i'd be remiss if i didn't mention this other piece uh big tie-in piece is the game alien isolation which serves as kind of a in-between quill you might say not sequel i don't know between alien and aliens um People tend to kind of consider it to be right up there with the original movies in terms of quality. It tells the story of Amanda Ripley, Ellen Ripley's daughter, seeking answers for her mother's disappearance and finding herself trapped aboard an alien-infested space station. Uh, it's paved the way for more video games since then. It's it's tend to be um, hailed as having a really great atmosphere, ca capturing the feel of the movies. Um, the most recent game that came out is a new one called Aliens Dark Descent. It just came out this year, 2023. Now, newer comics are now being published through Marvel. Um, newer novels are starting to follow a more cohesive canon as we kind of get into during this interview with Shiromi. The story that we kind of discuss starts with Alex White's novel, Alien, The Cold Forge. And it's kind of starting to more so introduce the geopolitics of the universe, like the different political factions, the different companies that might be in conflict with Weyland yutani seeing conflict between, brewing between these factions and colonies and corporations. Uh, we're also seeing more work to tie in the EU media into Prometheus and Covenant, um, which with use of the black goo is in that experimentation and even as weapons on a planetary scale. So um, it's really interesting to kind of see where the EU has gone. So if you're interested in digging into that, I did put some links in the show notes for some of those books, uh, comics, and the game that I mentioned, of course. Now, uh, just a few logistical pieces before we head into the interview itself. I did want to give a shout out to our Patreon, and we did get our first patron. So shout out and super duper thank you to Luke Johnson, who has been a fan and friend of the podcast for a long time and just a... Uh, important person in our lives. 
he guested on one of our episodes on Star Wars, uh, talking about the Rancor uh, way back on the Star Wars Day episode, which was super fun. And if you haven't checked that out, I would highly recommend it. So thank you to Luke Johnson for being our very first patron. And if you are interested in supporting our show in any way, supporting what we're able to try to do here, I know we're pretty modest. We don't have ads or anything, but anything that you'd be willing to help out with would be absolutely huge for us. And we would owe you a debt of gratitude. We're hoping to get more interesting things up on the Patreon. We're hoping to record some different kinds of uh, maybe smaller episodes. We'll get back to you on that TBD. But right now it's just the dollar level and it's just a thank you at this point. Um, A heartfelt thank you on air. So thank you again to Luke Johnson for being our first patron. Um, Another small piece of logistical, uh, logistical items. I don't know. Logistical logistics. Yeah. Logistics. That's the word I'm looking for. Another small piece of logistics. Um, Shiromi did reach out to me after this interview just to let me know she um, had a small uh, misspeak, misspoke, uh, misspoke in a small way where she was talking about the Aliens card game and mentioned that it was um, created by the same person who created Gloomhaven. Uh, that is turned out to be incorrect, and she mentioned that she found out later. The true fact is even more interesting in, the, in that uh, the person who created the Aliens card game is one of the same people that created the life form unofficial alien game that we do talk about on the episode. So that is pretty interesting. Anyway, that being said, let's move on to our interview. Sharomi Arserio, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Excited to talk about one of my favorite franchises. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited to talk to you about it. I, uh, I'm in, I'm going to admit this. I, you've been in my ear like a lot in the past couple of weeks because I've been listening to your, um, into uh Charybdis narration. And I also found your, uh, Loki's ring, uh, narration, which oh. I've actually really been enjoying, not alien related, but so I've been listening to you quite That's a, a bit. Book. <laughs> yeah. I'm really liking it so far. I'm only a little ways into it, but it's, it's really cool. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you, for anyone just jumping in, uh, are an award-winning audiobook narrator and voice actor. And uh, you have, I think, Khalid, I have, you might have had this question down, but I just wanted to get out, get out of the way right now. But how many audiobooks have you done so far? Uh, s- close to 250. Yeah. 250. Wow. Yeah. I think I, I lowballed it. I was like, you're close to 200 in my question, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, there is stuff that's not on Audible, and then I have ah. a uh, a pseudonym for the naughty titles. So, oh, exciting! Yeah. Okay, okay, <laughs> impressive, um, prolific, indeed. Uh, well, let's just jump in. So, I got I got a couple of new qu- uh, guest questions for people who haven't been on the podcast okay. before, and it sounds like you've been listening, and you and I sent those to you, so you have some yeah. thoughts already. Uh, first question. Out of all of pop culture, that could be books, movies, TV show, what's your favorite monster? And if it's not the same, what would you consider to be the scariest? Okay, it's not the same. Um, okay. I'm going to be subversive here. For my favorite monster, I love uh, Jim Henson's Creatures of a Puppetry. So for me, it's Ludo from The Labyrinth. Ooh, um, good choice. Yeah, he's just, he's so big. You'd expect him to be this this monster and instead he's he's he wants friends and he's a big old freddy cat you know i just yeah and plus Aww. just the whole puppetry i mean three people to animate him it's just incredible i i had to look him up labyrinth is a blind spot for me but that's oh, a good no. choice <laughs> kind of reminds, me of, uh, reminds me of uh where the wild things are that's exactly where mm-hmm. they got it from yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, so as so, my second answer uh, will be hands down the thing. Mm. John Carpenter's the thing. Um, it just for one thing, I watched it. For one thing, I watched it <laughs> at a really young age. Uh, just a small part of it, just the bit where he's where where it's penned in with the dogs and it starts transforming. Oh, that's that, a rough one to watch as a kid. <laughs> Ooh. That scarred me for life. Like yeah. I didn't properly watch the movie until I was thirty, and even then, it was just like my—I was just covering my face the entire time. I keep thinking, like, why does it? Why is it so, so freaky? You know, freaky for mm-hmm. me. And I think for me, um, you know, unlike something like a xenomorph, where it has, you know, a—it looks like something. 
the thing doesn't actually really look like anything. It's made up of just various, it's an amalgamation of body parts. And I think my brain just can't make sense of it, you know? So, yeah. yeah, it's undefined and more scary in that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you, so given that it scares you, did you like the movie though? I did like the movie, but <laughs> okay. again, it did scare me. Yeah. And it's still not one that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. My, not that just throwing on for funsies. Is, yeah, <laughs> I checked off that bit of pop culture, but I don't need to watch it again. <laughs> it's a little too effective. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> But yeah, good answers, good answers. Um, question number two for you is what uh, what do you consider to be like on your geek card? So what do you find yourself to be most geeky about that you just like go down the rabbit hole? Uh, you could talk for hours or days on it. Uh, two things. Um, mm-hmm. Anime is a big one for me nowadays. Hmm. Um, like I won't pretend that I have nearly the breadth of knowledge of anime as you know a lot of people, particularly younger people, because uh, it's really only a recent thing for me, but I definitely I do watch a lot of anime, and they tend to be dark too. Yeah, <laughs> even the ones that I think, oh, that's that looks light and fun. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's dark. There's death. There's people. Yeah. <laughs> so they that and board games. I'm a big board gamer too. Yeah. And uh, any that you're uh, particularly into right now. Um, so my two, they probably share my number one spot for board games, and they're both trader games. They're both very similar in that respect. Uh, one is the, uh, Battlestar Galactica, the board game, uh, which has been, it's been reprinted, it's out of print now, and it's been Mm -hmm. reprinted as an Arkham game, as an Arkham horror game, but, um, the it's to me it's the best distillation of an ip and taking that that whole theme and putting it into a board game so you find out halfway through that you're a cylon or, or you know or you could be a cylon at the beginning so you, yeah. you could find out halfway through and it really just really sticks to the theme there very well um and then the other one is nemesis which is hmm. An aliens uh, type, or alien slash aliens type board game. It's heavily inspired. Pretty much walks right up to that line <laughs> before they can get sued, kind of thing. But it's, <laughs> I mean, like literally, like you get a personal, you get a, a personal objective and a corporate objective that you get oh, to choose from. Yeah, so, that's yeah. really interesting. I'm looking it up right now. I can see the visuals definitely are a little alien-esque. Right? It looks like a lot of fun, though. It looks like it a lot is. of good reviews. Oh, it and is. And, and they're even doing... Yeah, they've got some really good some really good alien-type figures yeah. in it. And, um, and they've got a new Kickstarter um, coming up for an expansion that I believe is supposed to be like their take on aliens with marines of some sort in there so i'm interested okay so they're following the pattern (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i like it i like it we'll have to check that one out for sure board games and anime so uh, you mentioned some of your favorite board games what like is there a particular anime that you're into right now oh uh right now actually right now i'm i haven't been watching any anime lately (laughs) (laughs) that's really weird to say um is that true yes that's true well i keep waiting like i'm waiting for the dubs of I'm a dub person because I'm a voice mm-hmm. actor and the dubs are pretty decent. Um, yeah. So I'm waiting for a couple of dubs to come out. Like um, my, not my hero, um, Attack on Titan. Oh, the yeah. dub is taking frustratingly long, wrong, frustratingly long, even though it's the final season and the sub has been out for a while. Hmm. And then another one, Vinland Saga, for some reason, there's two different dubs and I've been watching the Netflix one and Netflix just released the first like ten episodes or so, and then quit. So, <laughs> oh, that's <Wow>. frustrating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, as a voice actor, um, what like what is the um, benefits of dub over sub? Because we usually hear it the other way, subs over dubs. So, I want to <laughs> I want to hear the the other opinion. Less reading because I tend to watch them at nighttime. So for mm-hmm. me, I'm not going to be as into 
you know, reading it. Otherwise, I'm fine uh, any other time of day, but usually I'm watching them at night. So for me, it's the reading. And and they are, they are, they're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, much better than, I'll say, live action dubs. Those are so Oh, that can be rough. Like that can be rough. It. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I can I'm see watching, that. <laughs> I'm watching 1899. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's this, uh, it's oh, a yeah, German Netflix. European yeah. production and it's set on a ship and there are characters from all different countries. Hmm. And when we turned it on, it immediately went to the dub, which mm. was very confusing. So some of the characters were had English accents and looked totally fine, but then everybody else had American accents and were way hmm. off. And in fact, the captain would weirdly switch between like a really good dub to really bad dub. And we found we found out that yeah, it's supposed to be in different languages. Mm. And the captain actually oh. speaks German to his crew and English to all the passengers. And that's why the dub was so wildly off. So it's like two separate English dubs for the same character. That's so weird. That would confuse me so much. Yeah, that seems so confusing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We discovered on a podcast not too long ago where that was, um, uh, where was it from? Was it from Iceland? Yeah, from Iceland. And uh, that Netflix just automatically chooses dubs. And then we learned like, okay, how, how do we switch this off? And that was, that was, that was key for that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, live action's uh, tricky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you for answering those first couple questions. And thank you for joining us. I didn't get a chance to say that yet. It's really exciting to have you on with us. Um, given that we're here talking about uh, Xenomania, that's still part of the overarching uh, theme of our episodes lately. I wanted to start off by asking you, what's your history with the Alien franchise? When did you come to it? Oh, very long, long time ago. So uh, to just get it out there, Aliens is my all-time favorite movie. I liken it to, you know, how, you know, a lot of people of a certain age, Star Wars was their thing. Aliens was mine. I watched it. I was eight years old when I watched it. <laughs> Probably way too young. Um, and it just, I loved it from the get-go. I mean, it was scary, but, you know, also you had the Marines and, and there was a kid in there and and you had Sigourney Weaver. So it was it was definitely my movie growing up. <laughs> Weirdly, I watched Alien after Aliens, which I don't think is the best thing to do because mm. it was a couple of years later. So I don't think I really appreciated it because I already knew the things that might surprise you. I knew I knew that aliens came out of your chest and I knew that Sigourney Weaver was going to, you know, live. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. a big spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I I came to the Alien franchise with Prometheus. That was the first one I saw out of all of them. So I think it was a little different when I finally went back and watched Alien to Aliens. Like there wasn't as much to uh, spoil for myself since Prometheus yeah. is kind of a half sequel or a prequel. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, no, okay. So you're you're an aliens fan. That's that's your that's your uh, that's the one you got bad for. Yeah, <laughs> that's good to know. That's, that's good to I know. mean, literally, I'm not kidding. My husband and I, like, on an almost daily basis, will quote from the movie. Like the other week, here's an example. The other week, we had so our internet went out, and we eventually discovered the reason for it was a wasp nest, and Oof. the wasps. Like they're when they're making their nest, they use saliva, and their saliva can eat through the fiber in your internet. What? So yeah, it's crazy. So you know, immediately I'm just like, you know, what do you mean they cut the internet? How could they cut the internet? They're just <laughs> animals. <laughs> yeah, so it's, that's nice. That's uh, yeah. it's it's funny how many times dialogue from aliens is applicable to real life. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, pivoting a little bit to your uh, professional career, I am also curious, how did you get into voice acting and narrating? Uh, I kind of fell into the voice acting. Um, I was acting before that. And um, uh, honestly, it's funny, I, I came in to meet with somebody about their YouTube series um, as a, to come in as a writer. But then he heard that I was an actor and he was like, hey, um, I'm also... Uh, doing this documentary 
supposed to be doing the audio for it and we're looking to replace the voice. Do you want to have a whack at it? So I did and they liked me and kept hiring me back. Um, as to the audiobooks, I always knew that that was something, I didn't know that that was a career field that you could do. <laughs> but, you know, um, as I was getting into into voiceover, that was at that time, um, ACX, the audiobook creative exchange um, that Audible has opened up where it let authors be able to easily put their books up for audition and narrators, you know, people actually, it, it was a gateway for a lot of narrators like me. <laughs> oh, so you would just like submit like a sample of like somebody's book and then they would like just pick from a pool of people that submitted on there? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I've never heard of that. That's actually that's mm. super fascinating. Um, uh, and I guess in that world, um, just a follow up. Are there any audiobooks that um, you've done that aren't a part of the Alien franchise that you would recommend to fans? Gosh, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a really good question. It kind of depends on what your thing is. I mean, I guess if sci fi is your jam. Yeah, Loki's Ring. That's actually a really good one. I mean, it's not really Do, like aliens. I'm sorry. It does have a lot of AI stuff, which is interesting, though. It does, yeah. 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 Kind of connects in that regard. It's, I mean, mm -hmm. if you like space opera stuff, you'd like Loki's Ring for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, that's two recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you um, can you give us like a peek behind the curtain into your process? How the sausage would get made, so to speak. Um, how do you like? <laughs> that was that was Please, for Joe. Really <laughs> loves to talk about sausage. I do love to talk about sausage. That is canon now. Um, yep. But, but, uh, Shiromi, uh, how do you prepare uh, and what kind of like notes do you take when you've got uh, a new gig lined up? Let's say for voice acting, like what, are, what's the, what's that process like? Uh, it'll different, it'll be different for voice acting than audiobooks just because of the length involved. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. For voice acting, God, you know, if I'm being perfectly honest with voice acting, a lot of it is pretty intuitive. <laughs> it sounds bad to say that, but some, you know, I do a lot of like, you know, corporate narrations for like companies like Microsoft and stuff. So a lot of that's pretty intuitive at this point. I mean, for a video game, let's say, then yes, then yes, there'll be preparation because I'll be wanting to play about with voices. And, and a lot of it is like in your head too. Like, where does the scene take place? What happened just before? You know, um, what's the distance between, you know, you and the person that you're speaking to, you know, and what's your motivation? That's a cheesy one, but yeah, what, you know, what is motivating you? What's the subtext? Sure. And there's a little bit of crossover there with um, audiobooks. Uh, with audiobooks, which is uh, most of what I do nowadays, to be honest, um, I will read the book ahead of time. There's this old joke that somebody didn't read the book ahead of time and found out halfway through that a character had an accent. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I can see how preparation would help in that case. <laughs> yeah. So I will, I'll read the book ahead of time. Um, I'll be obviously like, I'll be making notes for like pronunciations for sure, especially if I need to go back to an author or the publisher with a list. Um, I'll be sort of thinking about voices usually, um, you know, for a really well-written character, the voice will just jump out at you and I'll just be like, oh, like so-and-so. And I'll just jot down a little note or make a little audio clip of, of how I want that voice to sound. Um, I'll also be paying attention again to the characters, making notes on who the characters are and how they should sound. Are there any specific descriptions? You know, does the guy have a gravelly voice or a deep tenor? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and then there's, you know, other stuff like maybe I want to research the the background. Um, I did a book uh, for written by Emma Donahue called Learned by Love. Um, which was about a real life person called Anne Lister. She's considered the first, the modern lesbian, so to speak. Um, 
but she's a real life figure. So I wanted to research her life and research the time period that the book is set and what she was up against as a woman and, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, it, it kind of varies. For an alien book, it was definitely watching some aliens. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, you mentioned a little bit about um, sometimes like the level of the writing of the character uh, makes it clear to you exactly which direction to go with it. Um, you also mentioned that you might have notes for the publisher or the author. Um, do you ever have like a relationship with the author when you're doing the um, narration for audiobooks? Um, well, I work with indie authors and with publishers. So with indie authors, yes. Uh, with publishers, generally not. They generally try to, they want to be in the middle. They don't want you to contact the author directly. So very often, I may not develop a relationship with that author until after the first book comes out or something. Like I never, like Alex White, any of the alien authors, I didn't know any of them beforehand. You know, now, you know, you know, Alex White and I follow each other. We talk to each other. But, you know, before that, no, not at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so like kind of publishers <laughs> kind of like a create a wall then, huh? Like the publishing company? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why, honestly. But And huh. then sometimes, sometimes you want it. Time is of the essence and you need to get around that wall. And you might, you know, s send a direct message. Say, but... Um, <laughs> Got to keep that on the DL, though. We don't <laughs> generally Industry secrets. go into yeah. a publisher. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> but sometimes you're like, how does how do you pronounce this thing? I have no clue or something, right? Like, yeah. Or yeah. this and name, what did you envision with... this name to be? Yeah, with something like sci-fi, like there's got to yeah. be like some niche questions you're asking at times. Yeah, like a like a language <laughs> they created or something. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I do I do a lot of fantasy. Fantasy. Oh, even more language <laughs> so, stuff there. So even more language yeah. stuff there. Yeah. I did a book. Uh, I'm doing a book. I'm finishing up the final book now. It's a 90. It's it's a backlist title series uh, that came out in the late 90s, early 2000s. Seven books. I mean, they're big, fat books. Like, I mean, think Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. um, so many characters. I think we did we did 285 voices for it. And the wow. pronunciation list had to have been easily 600 words by the end of the series. Goodness. Wow. <laughs> My God. <laughs> so that's been interesting. <laughs> I feel like I, so I had a question, this question listed later, but this kind of ties into what you're saying. Like the, your website says you're an accent chameleon. And I feel like I've kind of noticed this too. Like you are your accent work is like super strong and I'm continually impressed, like listening to like just seamlessly switching between various accents. Like how did that become kind of like a niche for you? Thank you. Um, it, well, cause I'm, I mean, I'm from England originally and mm -hmm. I've lived in the States now for you know over 20 years. So my natural accent's kind of weird anyway. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was always doing the American accent anyway, growing up. American and Australian, those two are like the ones that I can easily switch on or switch off. Um, so that became something, especially because I live in the States. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I need to have that flexibility because um, otherwise, you know, most of the English titles are probably going to go to English narrators or English voice artists in, in, in England. <laughs> so um, it was sort of a by necessity thing, but it's something I've also done all along. But uh, yeah, uh, that's that's definitely my thing. <laughs> I will say, uh, in Loki's ring, uh, that was funny. I did get to um, have a little bit of a back and forth with the author oh, regarding that's pronunciations and regarding uh, the accents and everything. Um, <laughs> and suddenly, I was like, "Okay, I can do." It. Wait, British Nigerian voice. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> 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 So every now and again, there's one where I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got <laughs> to sit down on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, all right. I suppose since this is a Xenomania series, we should probably talk about some alien stuff, huh? Yeah. All right. So 
at this point, I think I found that you narrated like three alien audiobooks. I, I got into Charybdis, Colony War, and the new one, Enemy of My Enemy. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. And I did a short story in an ADP oh. uh, collection. Oh, cool. Do you remember what the, the collection was called? Off the top of my head, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple, so I'll, I'll look into it maybe. <laughs> um, so I was kind of curious, like, so we like had this like career in like audiobook narrating and uh voice acting like being a fan of aliens was it were you seeking out to to be part of the franchise or was it like a happy coincidence it was a happy coincidence very Love happy that. coincidence yeah um yeah i mean i knew that they were they had that stuff out there mm-hmm. um my big like outside of the movies um love of aliens comes from the um the Audible Studios audio dramas that they put mm-hmm. out. They're full production audio dramas. They've got a full cast. They've got sound effects. I mean, they're really good. But they're also very often, I mean, I think they're almost, I think they're entirely recorded in England and they mm-hmm. have a celebrity cast. So it's like, well, that's just never going to happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was very much a happy coincidence that, this came along. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I've been seeing some of those uh, like full cast recordings. I have not dipped into those yet. I've been just doing the audiobooks themselves, but those seem really cool. Yeah, they are really cool. And um, for some of them, I mean, they've gotten, they got Michael Bean and um, wow. Lance Henriksen. And I forget the name of the actor that plays Gorman, but he plays himself. He plays Gorman mm. in yeah. one of them, which I will say, it's a good thing and a bad thing because it's cool that they got him, but his voice has aged up so much that he doesn't <laughs> actually sound like Gorman. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's tough. He's probably playing a younger version anyway, too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's got it awkward. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's, uh, I, yeah. I, but just listen to Into Charybdis. Um, I think you had. This is not, I'm going a little off script here, but you had to must have had to read or have to done some research into I think Cold Forge comes right before into Charybdis. Did you read that one at all? I didn't. I didn't realize oh, no. how I didn't realize that how connected they were or weren't. Oh, neither did I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually still I've read Alex's, you know, some of Alex's other books. So I really mm-hmm. do need to go back and and read that one. But I didn't. Um so yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. just me jumping right in there. Oh, so honestly, like I've been in doing this series, like I, I've always loved Alien. I'm like you, Shiromi. I watched it when I was like seven or eight too. like started back then. I've loved it for a long time, but this is like the deepest dive I've ever done into it before for this podcast. And uh, I didn't really know much about the extended universe. So I kind of our first Xenomania, we interviewed uh, Philip Ballantyne, who wrote Inferno's Forge. So I actually got that one and started reading that one. I'm like, there's some things I'm not quite sure what's going on in some of these parts so i'm like did some research yeah. i'm like i'm trying to go back and then i found and i was like after reaching out to you i was like oh, i'm gonna listen to into charybdis and then i would look online wait people are saying that's a follow-up to something else I to, i'm like going backwards in my alien reading so but uh I, it's 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 kind of a fun journey to like like i i've always been like a star trek fan so i'm like i eat up the eu and like extra canon like all this extra like di- like discourse about stuff so i'm like really loving just learning more about it but uh but i'm with you yeah i did not know i i haven't read cold project myself i know everyone says it's great but i gotta say so note: have you are you a ds9 fan uh-huh yeah alex white's um i know they yeah they have a book um uh recent ds9 novel right yeah mm-hmm. came out last yeah year, i'm I, I haven't read that one but i'm really excited about that yeah did you read it did you narrate yes. that I know oh, I did no I did oh. not narrate that. I wish. And in fact, I think they got a guy to narrate it, which I thought was really oh, weird. It's, it's like a backstory. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But uh no, I read it. It was yeah, definitely recommend it. Okay. I gotta definitely I get that one on the top of the list here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, all right, Shromi. Uh bring you back to Alien a little bit. Um of the three alien books that you did, not the AVP ones that you mentioned, but like uh, the three that uh, Joe had just mentioned, which one would you say was your favorite to work on and why? Oh, gosh, that's that's really I mean, I'm going to go with Into Charybdis because it was the first one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just the pure excitement and joy factor of getting to be involved in the alien franchise in any way, shape or form. For sure, yeah, and and it's such a really 
good and well-written book. I will say Colony Wars certainly has a scene in it that uh, is incredibly memorable. And I, it's not a spoiler, <laughs> I don't think, to ha- to say that I get to sing God Save the Queen, which I've not oh. ever done before anyway. <laughs> Being a British citizen, I never <laughs> actually had the need to do that. I got to sing God Save the Queen while a chest burster is bursting out of somebody. That's something. <laughs> yep. I believe he's giving birth to an alien queen, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> Very specific bucket list item there. <laughs> wow. That's exciting. Um, the the newest one, Enemy of My Enemy, that just came out, right? Yes. Yeah. And okay. I, I am quite fond of that one, too. I liked that one. The thing I, I really liked about that one, uh, it's going to sound weird to say, I don't know if Mary <laughs> San Giovanni has like... Um, family members that are in the military or anything, but it really felt very real in that respect in terms of like the soldiers getting tired and things like that, mm. you know, the, the toll, the sheer toll that it takes to be on alert and running away from xenomorphs. You really felt that in a, in a really visceral way, I felt. Oh, cool. I gotta, I gotta add that one to the list too. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, I'm, I'm like, myself dipping my toes into the, the EU franchise here and like learning a little bit about the the world that's been kind of created. Um, you must have, I'm guessing you probably had to do pretty extensive research into, into some of this stuff. Cause like the colony war specifically starts to bring in like, like geopolitical conflict and mm-hmm. like all these different, like, like, I don't know if let's say global, but more like galactic factions of humans and how they're kind of against each other. Like what, uh, I guess our experience with the films, mostly with alien, the alien films, like they're generally small scale personal, like the company is this overarching bad, but they're like within one crew. And this is kind of something that's taking it to this like really big, more like macro level storytelling uh, of the universe, something that generally novels can tend to do better sometimes. But uh, what do you think as kind of a fan of those first couple movies, for sure, what do you think about that kind of direction for the franchise? And and, and how was that uh, like research like for you? Um, it Yeah, definitely <laughs> threw me for a loop. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, I'm fully going to admit this, like, it took me a, a minute to grow up yeah. like, Oh, the black goo, the black goo. Oh, yeah, from Prometheus. Uh, okay. <laughs> Making those connections. Um, and, the you know, some of the stuff I sort of vaguely heard, like I think maybe in the – so there's an Alien 3 full cast recording, which is based on a script of hmm. Alien 3, but not Alien 3, the movie. Oh, the unused script, the William Gibson one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the William Gibson one. And so I think they, like, mention a few things there, like the UPP. So I kind of heard some of this stuff, but, you know, diving into it, like you said, with Colony War, there was a lot I definitely had to research. Um, Zula Hendricks, you know, suddenly she's important. And and Davis, I had to look, I looked that up. In the end, I decided not to, I was like, should I use a voice that looks like that sounds like Davis as he's depicted in the comic books, but I felt like that <laughs> might be a little too strange. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's a lot there. It was it was interesting. Um, I mean, I think it's a I think it's a good thing to expand. I mean, the storytelling. You know, I mean, how yeah. often can you really tell the same sort of story? It has to expand. I feel like um, I will say. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm biased because I've actually narrated one of Noah Hawley's books, but I'm really excited about Noah Hawley's take. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. His upcoming Alien series. Um, mostly because it's him. Because I know that that mind, you know, seeing what he did with Fargo and um, I'm blanking on the other series that he has that's really out there. Oh, um, Legion. Yes. Thank you. Legion. Oh, yeah. That show is just completely out there. So I know that he'll definitely take things in a new direction. And I think if it's he, necessary. Yeah. If he comes up with anything as like visually interesting as psychic dance battles, <laughs> I will be I will be right there on opening night. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, which, which Noah Hawley book did you uh, narrate? Uh, Anthem, his most recent one. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. I haven't read that one. I read the one before that, I think, is uh, Before the Fall, is what it's called or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he's a good writer. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's dark. It's really dark. I will okay. say that. But... <laughs> Uh well that I guess that leads me into uh my my final question are you working on anything right now I mean it sounds like you finished the Noah Hawley book but like what's what's next for you what's uh what is uh down the pipeline Uh so yeah I'm currently wrapping up this the 90s series that I was talking about Crown of Stars is the name of the series it's, the final book is also called Crown of Stars by Kate Elliott um it is yeah it's it's um seven books and mm. i feel like we're finally coming to the end like i said there was 285 characters in there um actually that was just in one book <laughs> so there's oh, probably wow. more than that um but i feel like it's actually finally coming to an end like we i just recorded today and a major character he's been like a villain since the first book finally is dead <laughs> i'm really excited i feel like oh, okay we're, we're almost there <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be rewarding and fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a little sad, though, but <laughs> I'm going to ask you a couple more quick things about the alien books, but then I wanted to dive into some other EU topics that you are EU topics that you sent me. But um, just from a general sense, having like narrated so many of the uh, uh, these alien novels at this point, um, and being a fan of those original movies, what do you what do you think? Um, what elements do you think make up a good alien story at this point? Oh, gosh, that's a really hard question. I think it is too. I feel like I think yeah. about it and I don't know the answer myself. Yeah. I don't know, Workers' but... rights. Yes. I mean, you right? have to have the evil corporation. I was thinking that that is one of the things that makes a good alien story is you mm -hmm. that the human folly, you know, you're not just running away from this alien but you've also got you know humans that are screwing each other over and especially evil corporations i, I really think honestly that ridley scott was very prescient with that between mm -hmm. alien and blade runner just that whole corporations are evil thing yeah it's very it's, prescient yeah it's cool to go back and watch those and just see like yes this is 100 percent poignant still is that i mean <laughs> yeah. cool i don't know if cool is the right word but yeah, it's, it's so it's so cool it's, to bet against humanity. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so much fun. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I, I know I know the spirit of what you're getting at. Yeah, no, yeah, it's good. But so you mentioned so you mentioned Zula Hendricks as a character that um, I've come across in the in the novels, and I had to like dig in and do like research into who that character was. Um, did you get a Did you get a chance to read some of the comics then? I haven't read any of the comics, so it was all Wikipedia. <laughs> all the yeah, just all of the the wiki site, which there is a lot of information about mm -hmm. it. I don't know how long her comic run was, but she was she's a big part of the story. Yeah, she but really is. To be honest, I hadn't heard of until Inferno's Fall either. So yeah. Um, yeah, Inferno's Fall Inferno, Inferno's Fall is not like she's not the main character, but the chapters that feature her I found I was like I feel like I need to know who this is. Like this there's something I'm missing here and that's what kind of cued me in, but I did a little bit of research and I think she's in like three like comic ser like specific series that have been oh, wow. collected in trade pair pair blah, I can't talk. Trade paperbacks. Um but then she made the jump to novels and and yeah. has kind of been uh, uh like of a connective tissue between all of them. Like yeah, kind of the Nick Fury of aliens in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> I know she's in um, the Alien Isolation novel because I did listen to that one. Oh, um, yeah. My friend I just got... writes that one. Yeah. Oh, who's that? Uh, Sarah Mola Christensen. Okay. We'll have to check that. I just bought the physical book of that. So maybe yeah. I'll have to do the audiobook version too. That'd be fun. Sometimes, okay. So I don't know if this is something as a narrator or book reader, what you prefer to do. Sometimes one thing that I do is I actually like to have the audiobook and the physical book. And I like read a couple chapters and then just like fast forward to that chapter. If I'm like going somewhere else and like go back and forth between, is that weird or do people do that? No, a lot of people do that. I okay, mean, they yeah, li literally so. have something called whisper sync to sync yeah? uh, the text with the, yeah, with the audio. Whispers. Oh my gosh. I suppose. Yeah, it's a thing. Huh. <laughs> yeah, like, I suppose you could just read it in as you're listening to like just watch. Oh yeah, 
Wait, so cool. sometimes you'll read it along with the audiobook? Well, it's more like picking that, but... it up. But yeah. It's, yeah, it's more for like going back and forth in between. But oh, Okay, yeah. so you're you're yeah. sometimes you'll read it, sometimes you'll have the audiobook play. Yeah. That's what I do, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound so crazy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. I love, yeah. I like doing that. It's fun. It kind of sometimes helps to like I don't know, if, depending if it's like a like a in-depth sci-fi or fantasy like you get some of those voices if there's a ton of voices, you know. Mm, that's true. somebody who's more competent than me has come up with those voices <laughs> <laughs> yeah i definitely find that certain books i mean i'm more of a reader than an audiobook person mostly because i mean i, I work from home so i don't mm-hmm. really have as much opportunities to listen to audiobooks um but there's definitely some books that just really lend themselves to audio because they're just they're really dense and you need you need a narrator to help lead you down and explain the world to you for sure like for sure um so you sent me in an email a couple uh, ideas that you had when we said and said we're talking about the alien eu or extended universe and stuff and so i wanted to ask you about these things so uh the alien war attraction about 10 years ago you said can you tell me more about that um so alien war was actually an attraction back in 1993 i think is when it opened in england it was only open for a few years i went to it in 93 shortly after it opened um i've never done galaxy's edge so i don't know if it's similar Mm. Uh, you said you're a star trek guy i don't know if you ever did um the star trek experience in vegas i don't know how long that was do that at the time yeah that's the closest I've seen to that, hmm. um, where you're just literally immersed in the alien, in a universe, in, in a franchise universe. So you are, you're just on a tour of a Wayland yutani facility. There, you know, are face huggers and jars, and you're being led around by a Z- by, by xenomorph, by a colonial <laughs> marine. That would be a different story. Right. Um, being led around by a colonial marine. And then, of course, a xenomorph, you know, breaks in and, you know, red lights start blaring and you're trying to just run for your life. And actually, I will say that in Alien War, you actually are running away from the xenomorph at at points, um, which it was very, very unique. Uh, they used... They had props from the movies, for sure. Um, I don't know if it was solely at the end, because at the end there was like a little museum-y section that you could check out. But mm. they also had, they had um, some really talented set dressers who worked at Pinewood. So, you know, you got to sit in what felt like a dropship. And it was it was a truly unique experience. Um, and they'll, they'll even wow. like occasionally like have a xenomorph snatch somebody. Oh, my I was with I went with my sister and she had like a little bag with her like a plastic bag from a store and one of the xenomorphs like snatched her bag <laughs> so at the end we were like um we need to get her bag back and they were like they they gave they started they started to head her a flashlight be like okay you can go back in there if you want. Like, no we're kidding we're kidding we're gonna go and get it for you <laughs> um oh and supposedly in talking to the guys that that ran the um, alien war. I spoke to them about 10 years ago. Um, You know, they even had like occasionally a a predator just show up just to surprise people. Um, But yeah, it's, I only did it one time. Uh, It just, it was one of those things where we kept going, Oh, we need to go back. We need to go back. And then it closed Um, the location where it was at in London flooded. So they had Mm. to uh, pack up. Uh, they, I guess they have done, they switched to the Alien Wars title and they started doing little smaller ones around the country in Scotland and elsewhere. Um, and I, I want to say that I'd heard most recently that they were going to do something for London Film and Comic Con this year, but I haven't seen mm. anything more in that regard. But yeah, uh, okay. it was... It was a really, definitely unique experience. Um, and they had, at the time that they opened, they had the full blessing from from 20th Century Fox. You know, they had Sigourney Weaver and other stars come to the opening and things like that. And 
Hmm. Yeah. Big deal. It was a big deal at the time. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. I like, I feel like you're comparing it to like Star Trek experience, which sounds like in that one, you're just kind of like walking around and like you could go to Cork's bar or something. And this is like haunted house vibes. Yeah. (laughs) Getting chased by creatures. I mean, there is like a part in the Star Trek experience, I think, where the Borg show up. Oh, yeah. There's a battle part. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Yeah. But you're not really, even then, you're not really like running away. Like, I distinctly remember running away from a scene. Wow. Oh, yeah, I'll take a million Borg over a Xenomorph. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Assimilate me. <laughs> Easiest choice ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing you sent me, Shromi, you ties into your geek card question quite a bit. You um, were into the alien board games, right? Yes. Yeah. I actually didn't know. I mean, I'm sure that there's board games of everything, but I don't know anything about the board games. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, so there's there's a few of them. And I think I've I think I've played possibly all of them. The, the original wow. one uh is I don't know how much you can it sells for now, but it came out in nineteen eighty nine. And that one I played on a computer. A digitized version, and that was very hard. <laughs> Which it's supposed to be, though. You want it to be hard. I never could make it to uh, the end sequence. I think it was like told in like three sequences, and I never could make it to the end sequence. Uh, then later, there was an unofficial Aliens card game. Mm. Which uh, so one side it was a two-player game where one side was the aliens and one side was Colonial Marines. It was a really good game. Um, it was a little unbalanced. Like there were certain cards. If you got this, then you were definitely, the aliens were definitely going to wipe you out. Um, but the, but it was a very good game. And the game designer has gone on to do, there's this, I don't know if you've ever heard of a game called Gloomhaven. It's giant. Ah, yes. I play Gloomhaven like regularly. I love Gloomhaven. <laughs> it's huge. Well, yeah. he's, he's put out a game with the blessing of the designer that's just um, basically pocket gloomhaven it's a gloomhaven card game yeah so um wow yeah i, I gotta check I, that I out i gotta tell my friends who i play with if they have that that's so cool yeah gloomhaven's like a like a multi-brick thing like it's a giant box it's that's huge. just like heavy with the tons of stuff but it's great yeah that told yeah. me nothing <laughs> <laughs> i might know less than when you started describing it i can be, I can be helpful <laughs> Yeah, but um, as for but now there's been like a spat of like official alien games. Um, Fate of the Nostromo is the one for Alien. Hmm. Um, it's a it's a pretty simplified it's it's pretty simplified as far as board games go. It's definitely something that you could introduce a newer player to, but it's a cooperative game. Um, doesn't mean it's not hard. It's still it's still depending on on what your uh objective is it can be pretty hard but um yeah so we've we've i think we've gone 50 50 as far as winning and losing those <laughs> uh another glorious day in the core is the big one it's uh and by big i mean it's got tons of figures i'm still painting them the ones that i have I've only painted like five of them. I really need to get better about painting them. Uh, mostly I got them for the figures. I 100% admit that. Um, so I played it three-player, and it was, I think, as a three-player game, currently uh, it's way too easy because of um, certain cards that you get every turn that are supposed to do bad things. Hmm. Um, the amount of cards you get, I think with two and four players, you end up with four cards, whereas with three players, it's a total of three cards. So we ended up just, we only lost one Marine. We only lost Wisbowski. And that's because we needed to, we need to have somebody to draw off the aliens. So we're like, all right, let's send Wisbowski out there. <laughs> and obviously, if you're playing an aliens game, you expect that there's going to be more deaths. But I yeah. have heard, so they are... They've re reworked the rules. So I think they're fixing that. And okay. hopefully the rules are a little less clunky too. And and uh, what I'm most excited about, because again, I'm in it for the figures. Mm. Uh, 
the original two, the original game and the expansions had all the main colonial marines, but they didn't have Pharaoh or Spunkmire uh, or a dropship oh, for that matter. The pilots, yeah, yeah. 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 So this huh. expansion is introducing the dropship and the pilots. So now oh, I get cool. to have a complete, <laughs> complete set. Finally. A complete set, yes, finally. Do you keep and them in like the the board, like the, the 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 box, or do you like display them? Oh no, they're definitely for display. <laughs> okay, of course. Okay, good, good. That's what I was thinking, but just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other alien game that's out there is another. Um, it's real. It's a smaller game, but I really like it. Uh, it's Alien Bug Hunt, and mm. it's actually more of an aliens game. Um, it's not nearly as fancy as Another Glorious Day in the Core. They don't use figures; they use dice. But it's really, it's really difficult. <laughs> okay. uh, it's, a, it's a cooperative game, and your your Marines with your squads going out across the board trying to get these little um, objective markers, while keeping the aliens from either killing your team or escaping off the board. Hmm. Um, so I, I really like that one. It's also just, it's a pretty short game, so it's easy okay. to just break out. And then I will mention another game, which is a, um, unofficial alien game, but it doesn't get en- enough love. Everybody always talks about Nemesis and which I love, but there's a game called Life Form, which is, if you think about Life Form being just the second half of Alien, Hmm. So right now, what you're trying to do is you're trying to just gather up a bunch of supplies and get off the ship before the alien gets you and the ship explodes. Oh, interesting. Simple. Yeah. So there's a timer yeah. and and there's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually, right, if your characters right. die, you can come back as either a as either the cat or the android. Ah. Okay, yeah, it definitely ties in. I see it. <laughs> yeah. I'd yeah. probably go with cat. Yeah, I can see cat. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like it. I got it pulled up right now. I'm looking at it too. All these sound so fun. I haven't yeah, I haven't I haven't played the board games at all, but I we do like board games quite a bit. We have play other ones, so I gotta get I gotta get those in the rotation. Yeah, you've given Joe a lot to to dig into. <laughs> I've got a bunch of tabs open now. <laughs> well, then yeah. my job is complete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's never been happier. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Well, I suppose we shouldn't take uh, too much more of your time. Um, but uh, I think before we wrap it up, we have uh, our final segment of the show, Khalid. We haven't. Do- I feel like we didn't do it uh, last time, did we? We did. We did do it last time. Uh, we did. It was like a two-part thing. That's all. That's right. Yeah. It's yeah. our uh, what the fandom segment, and uh, show me that I don't think I sent you this because I always forget to send the people about the what the fandom. But it's just where we go around and share one thing, maybe two, something that you're just into in the mo- at the moment, watching, reading, listening to, what have you, uh, that may or may not have anything to do with monsters or alien for that matter. Just something that you're kind of kind of digging at the moment, and s- I'll let you go last. And Khalid and I will go first. So Khalid, how about what the fandom with you this week? Thanks for asking, Joe. My what the fandom this week is going to be the HBO series uh, Project Greenlight. Uh, It's like a Mm. reality competition for filmmakers, essentially. And um, they had a few seasons uh, years ago. So it might sound familiar to listeners. Uh, Initially, I think it was like Brad Pitt and or not Brad Pitt, uh, Matt Damon and uh ben affleck like it was mm-hmm. like guys like that that were like kind of the celebrity faces behind it and they'd made a few different projects through it um and it was pretty entertaining but uh they've kind of done like a reboot with it now and it's being run by uh isa ray's company hooray and then uh kumail nanjiani is also going to be a mentor on it and they actually went a step further in terms of like the pool of contestants. So instead of just having it be anybody can uh, apply, they realized that in all of the seasons of Project Greenlight up until now that it was only ever male winners. So they decided to counteract that. And it's an entire selection of female uh, applicants 
for Project Greenlight. And by the end of the first episode, you find out which of them is going to get to go on and make the movie for the rest of the season. I've only watched the first episode as of this recording, but it's really interesting. I appreciate what they're doing in terms of like representation and giving opportunities to people that maybe would have been overlooked in the past. And yeah, I'm just a huge fan of Issa Rae as a creator. So if she's behind this, I'm super curious to see like, you know, production wise, like the step-by-step process of like what makes uh, you as a creator more appealing than someone else potentially. So um, yeah, that'll be my What the Fandom this week. And uh, Joe, What the Fandom with you. Thanks for asking, Khalid. Uh, I, uh, Nicole and I just watched a movie the other night called, uh, I think I was texting you about this, Vengeance, which is going to be mine. It's um, a movie that came out, I think, 20... 22 um but it's a bj novak wrote and directed i think it's his first uh take on writing and directing a film but it's kind of about a guy from new york who um goes down to texas for the funeral of a girl that he didn't know but their family believed that they were really close boyfriend and girlfriend and so they invite him down and it's like typical kind of shenanigans there too but he decides to make a podcast investigating what the brother of the the girl believes to be is a murder and he's making into this like American public radio kind of style podcast of it. And so it's uh, it's very interesting. It sounds like the setup for like a really silly movie, but it's it's very funny. But there are some really like uh, interesting commentaries on uh, just like s- social media culture and the way that we interact with media, way we interact with people and think about people. And I was surprised how uh, how surprisingly like uh, like deep it got or like point poignant it got at times. And so uh, I would recommend that. I think we watched it on Prime is where I could where we found it. And uh, it should be if you have Prime membership, it should be available. But uh, that was a that was a good movie. I'm realizing that one thing I'm really enjoying in terms of movies is like kind of comedians getting this chance to make write or direct a film like usually like independently produced somewhere. And somebody who you might have only seen before doing like a comedic role, like in The Office with BJ Novak, or I was thinking like Gerard Carmichael did his movie recently too. Like them getting the chance to just kind of express their voice, like having some really cool and interesting, unique things to say. So I'm I'm here for the trend of comedians getting the chance to write and direct their own films. Yes, more of that, please. Anyway, so that'll be mine this week. Shiromi, uh, what the fandom with you? Oh, thank you for asking. Um... Okay, so since I have been on a bit of a break with anime while I'm waiting for my dubs, I've been watching a lot of English comedy, and I recently binged the UK version of Ghosts, which is on Max, and um, I already, if you are remotely familiar with Horrible Histories or another show called Yonderland, it's basically created by this this group of comedians that have been working together for 15 or 20 years now. Um, So they have a really, really great rapport as it is. And um, basically it's about this couple who inherit this house that happens to be haunted. Uh, There's some really wacky characters. I mean, it's, it's wacky, but also, I mean, but it can also be dark, which I guess Mm. is kind of my thing. but they also put a lot of thought into the things that they do. Like they have a they have a Neanderthal in there. Um, but he's, you know, he's been around for thousands of <laughs> years. So he's intelligent. He plays chess and everything. But also, but his his um his speech pattern is a specific way still because he doesn't physically have the capability for human speech the way we do. Uh, things like that. <laughs> it's uh, so. There's also a U.S. version of it that um, I haven't checked out yet, but uh, but definitely, if you get a chance to check out the U.K. version of Ghost, it's very very funny. I've actually fun. I've seen the U.K. version and the American version, and they're both amazing. It's such a great idea for a sitcom. It it really reminds me of like uh, those like old school sitcoms, like uh, I Dream of Jeannie or Bewitched, almost. You know, where it's like this like 
high concept idea and then like every episode is more or less like sitcom fare and like the <laughs> usual tropes that you would see in like a more grounded story but now there's ghosts involved yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> no it's really great yeah i definitely co-sign that i've actually seen vengeance too so i can uh on the record say that both of those what the fandoms are a plus high quality recommendations awesome thanks khalid um, all right. <laughs> so to wrap everything out, uh, Shromi, is there uh, like any place you want people to find you? I know I'll, I'll link to your website, any social media of any sort. Uh, yeah, I am on Instagram as shromi.arsario. I can remember if it's one word or with a dot. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm also on TikTok as Shromi Arsario. And those are probably the two places most likely to find me. Okay. And then, of course, listen to your audiobooks. And of course, listen to my audiobooks. Yes. Or read. Um, or it's read. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not anti reading. I am not anti reading. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. This was this was super fun to chat with you. It's really enlightening to learn a lot about the behind the scenes stuff with the, just creating these books and just to kind of geek out about uh, Alien in general. We've, we've, dug into all the films at this point so just looking at it from a different angle was was really fun and i uh i've been enjoying listening to your audio narrations of the books and i i'll say for sure that i hope i know maybe you can't say anything but i really hope that you're going to continue down this road and there's some continuity there and we'll see more of you in the next books that are coming out too nothing yet but i will take whatever they throw at me (laughs) you know if they want to offer me another one i will happily you know i thought into cryptus was it and i was fine with that so We'll see. <laughs> well, they come back to you a few times, so uh, I think the fans would love it. Fan fave at this point, I'd say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, just everything that Joe said and then some. Thank you so much, Romy. This was such an amazing discussion. Um, thank you, everybody at home, for listening to us as well. And until next time, creep it easy. Creep it easy.